Hello, friend. I heard you were looking for our spot. I got you. So you're going to go past the corner bodega and down the block from the Fresh Cuts Barbershop. And there you'll find a brick row house at the intersection of Literature Place and Social Justice Boulevard. That's the stoop. Amanda, Amanda Lytle, she'll be there to welcome you to the conversation. The book stoop. That's the name of the spot. We got the hottest takes on book culture, nerd culture, current events, with best-selling authors, change makers, and risk takers. The best kinds of folks. Oh, me? I'm Rebecca Baruki, president of Row House Publishing, and this is our podcast. I am so glad you're here. Now, I'm gonna let you get to Amanda. Thanks, Bex. Hey friend, let me be the second to welcome you to our spot, The Book Stoop. I feel incredibly honored to be the host of this podcast and I'm so grateful to have you with us. Today on The Book Stoop, I'm speaking with Maisha T. Hill. Maisha is a mental health activist, healer, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and founder of Check Your Privilege a global movement that supports individuals on their journey of becoming actively anti-racist. In the conversation today, Maisha speaks about the importance of making space for Black men to exist as whole human beings and why centering elders is necessary for guidance, growth, change, and inspiration. Maisha tells us all about her journey with her upcoming book, Heal Your Way Forward, and the backstory behind Check Your Privilege. You'll also hear about how therapy, peer support groups, Zumba, and scuba diving are sources of nourishment for Maisha. We start our chats on the bookstoop with a rather fitting question. So what are you reading these days? I'm currently reading uh, for my own book club by Bell Hooks, Read Real Cool, Black Men and Masculinity. For those of you who don't know me, I am like, I call myself the biggest Bell Hooks fan in the world. Uh, Husband got me a whole collection of books for her last holiday season. And so we are doing a one-year book club and check your privilege. And so the book we're currently reading is this We Real Cool, Black Men and Masculinity. And if you were to give me Uh, one takeaway, what is something that has just blown your mind or like really hit you in the heart space? It's so good and it's so dense and it's so hard to pull one thing from Bell Hooks. But I think the one takeaway that I'm getting is that we need to make space to allow Black men to exist as whole human beings Mm -hmm. outside of the lens of like patriarchy and oppression, right? Mm -hmm. We don't make space for Black men to show up loving and nurturing, right? Just because of all the socializations. Um, And I think it's the call and it's really sticking on my heart to give Black men space to be loved and be held and be nourished, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's like my one sweet spot right now. I love it. Love that it's a one year book club. You know, a lot of the work that I do when I teach, I, I teach from second and third wave feminism. So I do a lot of work around uh, with Bell Hooks, Patricia Hill Collins and Kimberly Crenshaw around intersectionality and systems of oppression. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it just fell in my spirit. I'm like, I have oh, all of Bell Hooks books. So what does it look like? We talk about the work. We talk about her framework of interlocking systems of oppression. Let's just let this be our guide for the year, because number one, it centers black women and black women's stories and experiences. 
And two, who doesn't love a good Bell Hooks book? And that could just be my own bias, right? So um, it was literally a way to, like, I had all the books and I was like, well, let's just do it. But um, in this work, we like to center whiteness and white stories. And we forget about the importance of the elders who are still living, who came before us, before fourth wave generation feminism, and really set the framework up. And I wanted to center their teachings and knowledge for us in the movement at this moment and our followers. Mm. History likes to erase our stories. And so what better way to keep the elders? They're still living. Like Bell Hooks is alive. Kimberly Crenshaw is alive. Patricia Hill Collins is alive. And these are women and there are more women and, and Black lesbians and femmes and Black men who have been teaching and leading this, but they've been erased mm-hmm. from authors such as, I'm not going to say their names, but predominantly white mainstream authors, right? Have mm-hmm. taken their framework and ran with it, right? And right. so the idea was like, let's give reverence to the elders and let's let their work guide us in this new generation and momentum building, so. Mm-hmm. I love this because I know that you're in the writing process yourself, which is super exciting and I want to hear all about it. Is there something that keeps you super inspired and super motivated as you're reading that you feel even more intrigued to write your own stuff maybe after having read something from these elders? Oh, absolutely. Like I, you know, I, what's interesting is that I've always had these ideas and thoughts, right? Before I got into the scholarly worker or reading like just the educational piece of it for myself and I'm reading this book by Bell Hooks and she's naming experiences I lit I've lived and thoughts that I've had when it comes to like black white binary or patriarchy and the way that she is saying it it's speaking to my heart in such a way that I could be like I'm in the middle of a chapter right now and the light bulb clicks like that's what I was trying to say and it, it just informs me as a writer as an author to like you know, pull from that and let her work and other work empower me to move forward. Like there's some work that I have to do in my book around internal families, IFS, internal family systems. I didn't create that. Dr. Richard Schwartz did. So what does it look like for me to have a conversation with Dr. Schwartz? Like, hey, yes, you are a white man. And this framework is awesome from the work that I do. Right. And every time I read even stuff from his book or Bell's book, it just informs me to write in a way that makes sense for me and makes sense for the audience. And it's super inspiring. So yes, the light bulbs are always like flickering. Yeah. I want to hear all about Heal Your Way Forward. You know, where did, you know, I was going to say, where does the courage come from? Because I feel like writing or expressing and, and sharing a lot of what you believe in and your perspectives and everything, diving into writing is a big journey. So I'd love to hear about how that came about. Well, it's really interesting, right? Because I, you know, recognize that I actually have a trauma wound with writing, Mm. right? Being told at a young age due to dyslexia and, you know, other things that my writing sucked, right? right? So even the title, Heal Your Way Forward, as I'm writing, I'm actually healing that traumatic story. Like I'm writing a new story, right? And so it's like, heal your way forward. Yes, it's for co-conspirators, but it's also healing me. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the chapters as I'm writing them, I'm like, holy, wow. Like, this is not just about like, the book is for the audience, right? Which is predominantly white, white passing folk. Let's just be clear. But as I'm writing it, I'm finding interconnections of my own healing. Right. Right. And it's all rooted in this framework that when I first started this, check your privilege, what, four years ago, almost now. I started to notice the patterns of behavior and I created what was called this co-conspirators journey. And that is the journey that's informing the writing 
of heal your way forward of just taking each step of what I noticed and breaking it down because a lot of folks like to compartmentalize anti-racism work as this other, they other it as it's just like this thing, this, this, okay, well, I'm going to do it because it's, it's convenient or it's, you know, it's just a fad. So I'll just handle it. And it's really like this idea of healing your way forward is like, actually, no, because when you heal your way forward by living and breathing and being in this work, like you're healing, like your ancestor wounds, you're healing for future generations and you get to co-create what building a new system within yourself, because we're all systems of oppression, um, but building a better future for the liberated collective. It's such a journey. When is it due to come out? July of 2022. Now, just because you said it and I wrote it down, the check your privilege, yeah, almost four years ago. That in itself is a journey. Yes. Yeah, I'm big time. So can you take us there? Because I found a couple links here. Yeah. So it started about three and a half, four years ago. Uh, what happened was there was a disruption in a friendship that led me to interrogate my relationship with anti-Blackness, my own centering of whiteness, uh, my own socializations. Mm-hmm. And having friends of marginalized identity saying, well, you know, all white people are bad, throw white people away, right? Well, I was socialized into Christianity and I was, you know, serving, I was ordained as a deacon and like just my own personal beliefs outside of ordination and and my socialization is like, you don't just throw people away. Like everyone makes mistakes. There's room for grace for everybody, like period. And so I actually called some of my white friends and say, hey, I'm going to do a YouTube series, right, as part of my healing journey of not throwing white women away, because at that time, my focus was just white women. (laughs) Um, Can y'all do these YouTubes with me? So I actually, like, went into my email marketing software, made all these videos, and I would email out these videos to folks about, like, hey, this is what happens when you don't work on your relationship with privilege, and this is what you should be doing. Um, and I met with a friend who was a like an executive coach, and she ended up helping me build out the vision for what you see today. So she asked me, what do you see Check Your Privilege as? Oh, education and advocacy for white folks to, you know, heal and do their work consistently without ghosting. She's like, well, what, what can you provide people so that they can just stay on this journey? I'm like, well, we could do a co-conspirators lounge, which is a paid membership. I can do a podcast. I could do a book. I could offer coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is written down and I have a picture of it on a piece of paper four years ago. And to this day, there is a podcast. Mm-hmm. There's an anthology series. There's the lounge. And it all exists for white and white passing people mm-hmm. to really engage in the work. Now, the new thing with it is that we are really trying to focus on what I'm calling seven areas or seven dimensions of privilege because we have to learn as folks on this journey to get outside of this black white binary Mm -hmm. and binaries that keep us hyper-focused on race. So we're actually in the process with Check Your Privilege of really looking at ableism and gender privilege and uh, economic privilege and class privilege. Because if we wanna be real, and I'm gonna say this, is that everyone has privilege. Like I'm black and I have privilege. Just, I have an able body. That is a privilege in itself. So we're really looking um, where I am today is expanding this notion of check your privilege. It's not just, oh, check yourself because you're white. Mm-hmm. It's check your able body privilege, right? Yeah. Check your class privilege, check 
your gender privilege and really moving on from there, but still offering those different community layers of support for folks to be in process together. Mm -hmm. Hey friend, we are coming straight back to the book stoop after a quick break. pre-recording chat, we were just talking about education and about how important it is to go student first before curriculum. And I think that you've made some really awesome points here about how important it is that even in this space, you're ultimately creating curriculum, but how it is so geared towards everybody as an individual, meeting them where they are. And I think that that's so powerful in this space. Absolutely. I think a lot of it is, um, I try to do this work where it's somatic where it's not heavy, where it's integrative. Mm -hmm. We have a framework that we say that we like to move. And as a teacher, you know this, the head, the heart, and the hands. You got it. I want you to hear it and learn it, but I wanted you to feel it in your heart so that you can go out with your hands and make an impact. So we know that the individual journey is head, heart, and hands, but we have this collectivist community mindset, like we call our co-conspirators lounge a community intentionally and on purpose Mm -hmm. because the work does require relationships Mm -hmm. and many people are in the world doing it in a very heady intellectualized isolating space and that's where a lot of people get lost on this journey you can know like equity diversity and inclusion and, and have a really great job and career But if you're not embodying that in your personal life, Mm -hmm. right, if you're not embodying that in community with others who are like you, then what are you really doing? Like, are you are you living into the work or are you just doing the work? Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be heart forward. Absolutely. I have a question about your journey with your writing, but also with Check Your Privilege, because I recognize that this is such a self-reflective journey. So backing up to the disruption of a friendship that you had back in 2018, the actual Mm -hmm. reflective journey that was taking place in that time. Can you elaborate a bit Mm -hmm. on that? Yeah, well, for me, it was I had to I had to recognize that I grew up around white folks my whole life, Mm -hmm. literally from elementary school through high school. And so as a black youth, when you grow up and white is normal, and you are made to feel inferior by your white peers, you learn to oppress yourself and elevate whiteness. And you work to get the attention and appease whiteness and white people because you're socialized in that way. I mean, let's think about it. For me to be a Black plus size cheerleader in a predominantly all white high school, in a predominantly all white community where the KKK was still attacking people publicly, like eight years before I moved into that community, I was seen as inferior or abnormal, right? Like I got perms, right? I straightened my hair. I wore weaves and wigs because in cheerleading, you have to wear ponytail. I had to socialize into whiteness to feel accepted, right? And as that played out in my, in my later years in adulthood, I found myself performing to maintain relationships with white folks, And when I say performing, it was, I would put, it's almost like, and I describe it in one of the books, it's almost like this unspoken expectation by white folks that black and brown folks will caretake you and be your mamie, right? So in some relationships in adulthood, I learned that, let's say they were codependent, right? And and I've said this in books before, like, I believe that relationships sometimes with white and black people can be narcissistic and codependent. Mm 
right? Because we're socialized to depend on the approval of whiteness and white people to feel like we belong. Mm. And so my work was to go back and track all the moments of my life that I've performed for the eyes of whiteness and white people and how I was socialized from my ancestors, right? From enslavement, from how, you know, I was raised and socialized to be in the world. Like I had to take my own journey backwards so that I could move forward, right? Mm -hmm. And interrogate, why am I centering white whiteness? Why are predominantly all my friends white? Am I looking at Black women a certain way? Am I not making space for other Black women? Am I not relating to my own Black identity because I want to be seen by white people? Mm -hmm. Am I performing for white people? Like it was a whole, and I still do it because it's a lifelong work. It's a lifelong progress Mm -hmm. process, right? Um, And so it's been a, a journey of soul searching and really reflecting on my own relationship with whiteness, remembering that. I was moved into suburban living so that I would have better schools, better outcomes, better opportunities. But that comes with a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Who was a huge source of guidance throughout this journey for you? Um, I'm going to say Bell Hooks, Patricia Hill Collins, and Kimberly Crenshaw. Nice. Literally, like using their work, Audre Lorde, the elders and the ancestors who came before Mm -hmm. me. Reading their words are the words that help propel me to understand my own identity and who I am. Right now, I grew up knowing Black history. I know, I know we that was the, the best thing to do in my household. Right, I knew mm. Black history. I know Black culture, but just because you know something doesn't mean that you're actively practicing it in your life. That's very true. Yeah. And so the words of Bell Hooks and the words of Audre Lorde and the words of there's so many. Like I probably have a whole playlist watching old videos of Huey P. Newton and the Black Panthers. There's so many people that have informed my journey right now that I'm so grateful for that have guided. They're my guides. Mm -hmm. It's almost like how people say your therapist has to have a therapist. Well, as a guide, I have guides. And and it's just a list of people who are elders and ancestors Mm -hmm. who I've taken learnings to. I also work with uh, Pastor LaVon Briggs. She's been very inspirational on my journey, especially healing around uh, westernized Christianity. Mm-hmm. I have a whole list of people. Sorry. No, I love these lists of people. And the reason I was asking about guidance is because the self-reflective work can get really heavy. Mm-hmm. And so it's also, I, I was kind of leading into a question about how you nourish yourself, you know, when you nourishing your mind, body, soul, because you do a lot of reading and reflecting. So what are some other things that you do just to make yourself feel really whole? Absolutely. Like I tell people all the time, therapy is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, peer support groups that I don't facilitate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so really going into other containers where I can be held and seen and valued. Zumba, I have not done it yet, but I am, I'm a certified Zumba instructor. No one knows that. No. I am certified in Zumba. It's so fun. Isn't it amazing? Yes. yes. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> That's but the I best don't part. Even you don't care. even have to be good. It exactly. just feels good. Yes, it's so yeah. good. Yeah, that is soul food for me. That is Absolutely. So I would say Zumba therapy, mm-hmm. scuba diving. Right. I meant to ask you about that because scuba diving yeah. is also, isn't that an interesting thing? Because for me, my brain is so busy all of the time. And when you are underwater and you are seeing the most magnificent things, 
You can't even speak about it. You can't share it. It is such an internalized journey. Yeah. And I would say shout out to Black Scuba Bear, my husband who got me into diving. Let me tell you something like it is totally a wild experience. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say because of Black people's trauma with water Mm -hmm. and shout out to LaVon Briggs who reminded me of this, like we have a trauma with water because we were enslaved and brought over over water and we were, we were be- just, there's mm-hmm. such trauma with black folks and water. And so to have a partner who's like, guess what I got for my birthday? I got you scuba diving certification uh, lessons to be certified. And I was like, okay, great. Uh. But it was such a beautiful, like trust building exercise. And it's still trust building because like your life is on the line. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but when you go under, everything else goes off. Mm-hmm all the noise, all the voices, the world just gets quiet because you know that if you aren't breathing, it's not a good situation. We'll Mm -hmm. just say that. I don't want to scare folks who've never tried scuba diving, but it's so surreal and it's so peaceful and it's so beautiful. And it's just like, I just close my eyes because I see myself and I'm feeling myself in that moment. Mm -hmm. That is the one thing that is so self-soothing to the soul that I wish everybody who listened to this podcast could experience it. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like the weight, it sounds interesting, but the, the weight of the water around you is almost just like this full body hug, if that makes sense. When you put it that way, absolutely. Like yeah. the BCD jacket and yes. the weights and like all your tools, it does feel like you're being held. Mm-hmm. There's actually a picture of me. I'm going to see if I can find it where like, I think I'm like going downward and you can like see like the shadow of hands coming out of my body, like a very Mm. surreal experience of just feeling connect. Like I belong here. Like I'm underwater. I'm breathing. I'm here. Relax. Mm -hmm. It is the the most beautiful. And I would say if I would say number one on self-care, I would say scuba diving, then therapy, peer support and Zumba. Yes. That's a great list. Yeah. Scuba diving, therapy, peer support, Zumba. Oh, Okay. I didn't know that you were certified with Zumba. Is that ever anything yes. that you want to be teaching? Again, you know, I, <laughs> sorry. You're like, what? Maybe in the future. Like yeah. I've thought about like, Ooh, I could teach this as part of the co-conspirators lounge. And I'm like, that is too much work. <laughs> you're already so busy. <laughs> and I'm already so busy, but I mean, I pro- I would like if somebody, if my favorite part of Zumba is where the, they're called Zumbathons. I don't know if you've ever been to one, but it's like a fundraiser, basically a Zumba fundraiser for like three hours. Different instructors get together, raise money for a cause. Ooh, that's a good idea for Row House. So, yes, I would. I would teach a Zumbathon for Row House Publishing as a fundraiser. Okay, absolutely. get on it. This is so amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I could put together a virtual Zumbathon for Row House. So yes, I would do it again, depending on the cause. Absolutely. Okay. All right. We're on to something here. I know. Bex is going to text me soon. I can feel it. <laughs> she caught on. <laughs> okay, Maisha, I was wondering about a shout out for an account or a person, an organization, a disruptor, activist, or a change agent that you'd love to give a shout out for. Ooh. You know who I'm going to shout out today? I'm going to shout out. Mary Fashik of Upgrade Accessibility. Mary is one of the most phenomenal people that I've met on my journey. Upgrade Accessibility is a really beautiful organization that is a disability justice-led movement that Mary founded as a disabled woman. 
she has trained Check Your Privilege on how to make our content accessible, how to write image descriptions, what it means to really fight against ableism. She took over the Check Your Privilege account over the summer. Just a phenomenal individual with a phenomenal movement. She does an accessibility camp every summer where she doesn't charge participants. And they have, I remember I was texting her and she was going to a ballet class with camp with other disabled individuals. And it was so beautiful to see that she gives so much of her time and energy for free for the disability justice movement. And that is who I want to shout out right now. Mary Fastrick and the organization Upgrade Accessibility. That's so beautiful. Maisha, thank you so much for being on the book stoop. This has been incredible. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me anytime. Love to come back. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you loved the conversation and we'll be back again soon. Please be sure to follow us on your podcast app and leave a rating where you're able to do so. Writing a written review helps reach more listeners too. Check out all of the show notes for the links and share the book stoop with your friends. Talk soon.